In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis and I'm back home recording from Prague today. I've been on the road for the last few weeks, but I'm back home recording from Prague. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you what a little bit about what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. And today, we're going to go a little bit further in our series on our women's leadership series. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So please download the series on iTunes or on Google Play. And on this series, you can hear leadership success stories that you can learn from, that can motivate that you, that stimulate new ideas and possibly may even be to the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me an email. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, if you are a professional or a business person with a passion or an expert on a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We do have a worldwide audience. And even if you don't want to be a guest, please listen to us every week. Regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. So back on to our Women's Leadership Series episode. Now, I remember in the late 1980s, I wanted to start a business and it was really hard. A local university had a business development center to help businesses Um, But I couldn't get any help there. I mean, they had a long list of applicants and a waiting list. Most of them were men, and I was on the bottom of the list. Whether that was intentionally or not intentional, I don't know. And then I decided to do a business plan, and I wanted a loan from a bank. But they wanted my father's signature. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but I was in my early 20s. And I wasn't going to go ask for my father's signature for a loan. Consequently, my boyfriend at that time was also starting his own business and not only got the support from the business center, but got a loan without his father's signature. Now, years later, I think worked out things worked out for the best for me as I got hired in a position and moved overseas. But at that time, it seemed devastating. But today, even though we're seeing more and more women starting businesses and women make up about 50% of today's workforce in many countries and 40% worldwide, there are still some imbalances. There is a shortage of capital for women. Women only got 2.2% of the VC capital in 2017 and they had 17% of the tech startups. But then you ask, why only 17% of the tech startups? So it's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario. 
Is the difficulty because the percentage of allocated capital is driving less women to start businesses or are the less businesses driving less capital? I would say this problem is not simple. And that's the VC world. What about simple bank loans for local businesses? It's easier today for women to get it than it was for me in the AZ, or is it? And what's driving all this? A lack of executive leadership is in most companies driving trends. Most countries, such as the United States, it's hard to find an organization that has less than 50% gender mix, but unfortunately, these statistics do not reflect the percentage mix in executive management. In 2016, our Fortune 500 companies had only about 4.2% gender diversity among their CEOs. So what's happening? Why are we having so many obstacles? And what are our opportunities? But there are a lot of opportunities and there is some positive change. Women are, are speaking up more now and having a voice and they are being supported by other women. And we're going to talk to a woman today who is helping drive change. Fran Pastore is devoted is a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity and the founder and CEO of Women's Business Development Council, a leading organization for championing female entrepreneurship and women's economic equity. Ms. Pastore served a three-year term as an appointed member to the President's National Women's Business Council, an independent source of advice and counsel to President, Congress, and the U.S. and the Small Business Association. She serves on the Board of Women Impacting Public Policy in conjunction with the U.S. State Department and University of Connecticut's Office of Global Affairs. Ms. Pastore taught women entrepreneurs in rural Costa Rica, financial management, and business strategies. She also served as a U.S. delegate in the 2015 Istanbul Women's Summit, and she mostly worked, most recently worked, with the Creative Center for Leadership in Ethiopia, teaching young women networking skills, financial management, and business development. She also serves on the advisory council for the Aukila Institute for Women, a college in Kigali, Rwanda. Over the last two decades, Ms. Pastore has testified before the U.S. Congress on multiple occasions and was instrumental in the passage of legislation benefiting women entrepreneurs. So, Fran, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much. It's an honor, Kimberly. So, Fran, tell us a little bit on, on how you got involved in this in the first place. I mean, how did you develop this passion? Well, it actually, Kimberly, goes back to something that you just talked about, your own experience as a woman entrepreneur trying to seek capital. So I'm, I'll tell you a quick, uh, quick story, which is what motivated me to get involved, which was um, a little, which is a little history lesson, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the mid '80s, a group of women were looking at the economic impact of women entrepreneurs on the American economy, and what they discovered was that there was no data for them to measure the impact. And so these brave women at the time called themselves the Committee of 200, which still exists. These women commissioned Congress to conduct a study um, to determine what the impact was. And the results of the study 
revealed several things. One of the things that the study revealed was that women lack the access to capital to start and launch successful enterprises. Uh, second thing was that the reason was there was no data was because the U.S. Census was not collecting that data. And so what they did was they uh, proposed legislation to make some changes. And that legislation was approved in 1988 with the passage of a bill called H.R. 5050. H.R. 5050 did four things. The very first and most important thing that it did was it allowed women in the United States to access capital for commercial purposes in their own name without a male cosigner. Until 1988, you would have to have your father, your brother, or your husband, or any other male above the age of 16 co-sign a business loan for you. Wow. So that that was yep. one of the things that prevented you from getting a loan back then. Okay. Second, thing, second thing that it did was that it mandated that the Census Bureau gather and collect information on women entrepreneurs in the same way that they gathered and collected information for our male counterparts. Until 1988, your census form and a male neighbor census form would look completely different in that yours would simply not be asking the questions, do you have your own business? How many employees do you have? How have your gross profits changed? Uh, how have your gross revenues changed, etc. The third thing that it did was is it established the National Women's Business Council, which you mentioned earlier. I served a three-year term under President Obama. And the purpose of the National Women's Business Council was and still is to um, be advisors to the president, the United States Congress, and the Small Business Administration so that obstacles that remain in the woman's path to successful entrepreneurship and successful business uh, development, like that access to capital issue, do not repeat themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Lastly, it established something called the women's, the Office of Women's Business Ownership in the SBA. And the purpose of the Office of Women's Business Ownership were to help is to help women overcome other obstacles that were identified in that congressional study, like women's limited experience in uh, not only ca- accessing capital, but in business planning, in marketing, in management, etc. And so the Office of Women's Business Ownership in 1988 launched a program to invest in women entrepreneurs around the country by establishing educational institutions through nonprofit organizations that would provide entrepreneurial training to women. Fast forward to 1995, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I was a single unemployed mother. I did not want to go back to Wall Street. And what I learned was that Connecticut was the only state in the country that did not have an investment by the federal government to provide entrepreneurial training to women business owners. And right there, my passion aligned with the need in my community. And that's when I formed the Women's Business Development Council. So it's been almost 20, over 20 years. Wow. I mean, that, that's a great story, Fran. And now, now you make me understand why I didn't get that loan, because I'm trying to think, as you were talking, I was also thinking what year it was. And I think mm-hmm. it was 1985 was the year that I was trying to, to start the business because I went overseas in 1989. So it was right before that. So that that's really interesting. And all this history is history we, we don't always know about. And now this has this started the wave, Fran. And now what I've been witnessing lately is is there seems to be another wave. There's 
so many women starting businesses now. There's a lot of activity around women's movement, such as uh, She Inspires Me, mm-hmm. Lean In, Me Too, the Women's March. Um, what? How do you see the current climate? As as is it, you know, pushing forward? Are we riding the wave again? Are we finding a voice again, or is the voice just getting louder? Well, you know, where I, the way I feel about this is that our voice is just getting louder. I mean, we've, we have voices. We just need to use them, right? And we need to use right. them wise, wisely and with great intention. What I think has happened in the last two years and what I've seen in, in um, Connecticut and around the country is that a great gift that we have been given, intentionally or unintentionally, is that we have unleashed the spirit of women in a way in which we haven't seen in many, many decades. And so what I see is women from all walks of life, not only wanting to start businesses, but seeking engagement. And I characterize it by women wanting to give um, their time, their talent, or their treasure. And so oftentimes, at least here in the, the Women's Business Development Council, what I'm seeing is a record number of women, yes, wanting to launch their own business, but also a record number of women seeking for a way to get engaged in this new movement, which I like to characterize as the new women's movement, and use their resources, use their voice, use their skills to provide, to effect change. So, you know, at WBDC that, you know, for, for women that are coming to my organization, um, that could mean that they are interested in getting engaged by giving their professional skills to teach, coach, counsel, or mentor other women. It could mean they want to get involved in a leadership role in the organization as a volunteer in some capacity. But I, I think that there's a tremendous movement around the country and around the globe. Um, and I can talk more about that in my next segment. I just came back from the Global Entrepreneurship Conference in Istanbul uh, two weeks ago. And the the power of women and the appetite for change is insatiable. Mm-hmm. And and I want to go to that um, after the break, but just to stay on this for a minute. So so it is it is being unleashed because I can feel it here in Europe. This energy is being unleashed. Women, women are 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 speaking up a little more. Is there any place? Um, what what are you seeing now? Is probably the biggest opportunity today for women. And we're going to go into details later, but kind of just on a general aspect. Well, in terms of the biggest opportunity, clearly entrepreneurship is is exploding. And I, I think that the services, unlike what you experienced decades ago, where you were kind of at the bottom of the list, I think that at least in the United States, um, and what I saw at this conference in Istanbul, is that there is a lot of money being invested in women entrepreneurs because we are the fastest growing segment of our national and our global economy. And there's a lot of data and you know it and I know it, we don't need to repeat it over and over again that when you invest in women, women invest in communities and the outcomes are immeasurable, right? And we also Mm -hmm. know, but having said that, the big but is what is the difference between paying lip service and real change? 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think when it comes down to that, it's where is the money being invested? So I know, for example, um, in the States that under Linda McMahon, who is the new um, administrator of the Small Business Administration, she is making much bigger investments in women than I've seen in a very, very long time. So that means mm-hmm. more, more financial resources being invested in programs that are going to accelerate the growth of women entrepreneurs. Um, Ten years ago, not even ten years ago, Canada had nothing. Now there's a women's entrepreneurship partnership between Canada and the United States. So there is definitely momentum, and I think the opportunity is lies in several places, but definitely in the area of small business um, ownership and, in, in my opinion, advocacy on behalf of other women's issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's uh, that's really good. I'd like to take that a little bit further and and hear about you know, what your observations are worldwide, Fran. After the break, but we're going to take a break. And for our listeners, we're speaking with Fran Pastori, a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity, and the founder of the CEO of the Women's Business Development Council, a leading organization for championing female entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, and women's economic equity. You can reach out to Fran on the website at ctwbdc.org. That's the Women's Development Council um, website. And on LinkedIn under Francine Passori. And also on uh, probably Facebook and Twitter at Francine Pastore on Twitter. And I am Kimberly Lewis your host, and we are going to take a short break. You're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders, and you can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Skilled migrants throughout the world can face a variety of challenges. Many times they settle for jobs that are below their skill level because their education and qualifications are not recognized. Do we need local experience in a global world? Join host Alma Besserton for the Global Workplace. We'll explore the issues being faced by migrants as well as showcase diversity and recognize the leadership and inclusion roles of some of today's top global organizations. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Right. 
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and today we are speaking with Fran Pastore, a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity and the founder and CEO of the Women's Business Council, a leading organization for championing female entrepreneurship, and women's economic equity. Now, before the break, Fran, we, we, we kind of just touched on to the history of mm-hmm. how you got into it. And, and I think your story is also a little bit of a history for everybody on, on how we started this, this movement to get women entrepreneurs recognized. Now, you said you just came back from um, the World Economic Forum in Istanbul. Oh, I and, wish. It was, the global, know, entre- it was the global Entrepreneurship Network Conference, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so what did you what did you observe there, and and uh, what did you see? Because I'm very aware here in Europe we have some very progressive member states, such as the Nordics um, in Scandinavia, which have a lot of support for entrepreneurship and have a lot of uh, gender um, diversity. What are you seeing? What did you hear there? Well, you know, um, I. What I saw was, and first of all, I would say that Africa is just exploding with entrepreneurship. And for, to me, one of the shining stars in Africa is, you know, has a special place in my heart, which is Rwanda. Um, and Rwanda is just such a brilliant example of, you know, it, unfortunately, as a result of the genocide, you know, the majority of the male population was wiped out and 70% of the population is female, right? And yes. so the, entre- the, the way that um, Rwanda is exploding with women entrepreneurs is, um, is nothing short of remarkable. And so at this conference, what I noticed was the number of African nations and the women from those African nations who are really forging change and the countries themselves that are investing in either government or quasi-governmental agencies to put um, resources and capital in the hands of women. Um, it was remarkable. And uh, I'm seeing that I'm seeing that everywhere. For me, seeing it in Istanbul was really remarkable, right? Because mm-hmm. what we're looking at is a, is a country that is becoming um, increasingly more conservative. So the fact that the conference was actually held in Istanbul and there was a whole day dedicated um, to women entrepreneurs. Here's what I walked away with. I hosted um, while I was there. I was asked to host a meetup of colleagues from around the globe. The the theme of the conference was uh, the global entrepreneurial ecosystem, right? And the concept was that we are all around the globe part of this movement to advance entrepreneurs of both genders because we know that's where the majority of innovation and job creation takes place. That said, there was one day at the conference Um, a couple of workshops, I'll say, dedicated to women entrepreneurs and my colleagues around the globe, most of whom were from African nations, who 
provide services as part of the entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so we all gathered together, there were about 30 of us, and we gathered together to share best practices and talk about some of the challenges that women that we work with face. And I'll tell you, Kimberly, I'm never surprised at the fact that the challenges that women entrepreneurs face around the globe are universal. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. universal. They are universal in terms of the gender bias. They are universal in terms of, um, you know, accessing capital and in the perceptions, the self-limiting perceptions that we allow ourselves to acquiesce to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. one of the things I know we, we you talked about earlier that we wanted to talk about was how do those how do those perceptions really impact how far we can go, whether it's in a corporate space or whether it's in entrepreneurship, and they do play a big role. Mm-hmm. And and just on that, Fran, because I mean, as you know, there's many studies, and there's many studies that that women, when they start business, their own perception it is a lot less than a man's and they're less likely to ask for money and they're, le- and they're more likely to ask for less money. And the same thing you see in leadership and um, applying for jobs. Mm-hmm. And technically, the studies show that women have to have at least 85 or 90 percent of the qualifications before mm-hmm. they'll apply for a job. And men need probably about 50 and then they'll apply for the job. So so this you said this is kind of was a universal discussion oh, absolutely. also. Absolutely. And so so how how do you think we as leaders and and uh, can can help women try to overcome this? What would, would be our message to this? Well, you know, first of all, I think that you know any work that's done on behalf of women economic women's economic ex- equity has to be understood that it is not a female issue, right? It's an economic issue. It's a socioeconomic yes. imperative, right? We know right. that when women borrow money for income generating opportunities, activities, there's a ripple effect throughout communities. Um, what I really believe is that we as leaders have a responsibility to provide opportunities to other women. And I, when I say we as leaders, I'm talking about women and our male counterparts, right? Mm-hmm. Because because there there's 51% of the population that needs to have a seat at the table and a say in every single aspect of society where decisions are being made that impact them. Whether that is behind closed doors in a boardroom when we're having discussions about salary increases and raises, or whether that's behind the um, the boardroom table when a woman is applying for a traditional bank loan. We know that women's economic equity has an impact on all of the societal issues that we have seen in the last, you know, that we, we talk about every day that we see in newspapers, whether it's violence, healthcare, and unpaid work. We know that when a woman has access to economic equity, everything is better. So here's what we could do. These are, these are my, what I believe. We have to help women, other women, by mentoring them, by sponsoring them, and by advocating for them and teaching them how to advocate for themselves. Um, I recently spoke uh, at an event, and and it was interesting. There were about 150 women at the event, and you know, in taking questions, I asked what they felt was their, you know, what was their biggest challenge, and it was their own self confidence. Men are mm-hmm. never gonna, men are never gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. 
Men are never exactly. going to say that. You know, I we have a, um, a a globally recognized campaign school for women here in Connecticut at Yale, and a colleague of mine runs it. She has 80 spots every year to train 80 women to either run for office or to be, you know, run for some kind of a public facilitator for campaigns, right? So a chief mm-hmm. of staff or, you know, campaign manager, whatever. She had 800 applicants this year. Wow. She had she had 80 spots. Here's the thing. These women, the first thing they said to her on the phone was, I don't really think I'm qualified, but I was moved to call you. A man is never going to admit that. So so at this conference a couple of weeks ago at our state capitol, when I asked what the biggest limitation was, and I was told their own self-confidence, here's what I said. I said, we represent 51% of the population. We give birth to 100% of the humans on this planet. Yet we hold less than 5% of C-level executive positions in Fortune 500 companies. And in these United States, we hold less than 23% of the seats in the United States Senate and less than 19% of the seats in the House. In order for us to really impact and affect change, we absolutely have the economic cloud to do it when we're generating over almost two trillion dollars in sales and employing more than nine million people around the globe. What are we not confident about? Mm-hmm. What are we not confident about? Where does that come from? So I have thoughts around that too, but I'll let you yeah. go from there. Yeah, that that would be my question. Where does that come from? And and when I think about this, um, I, you know, I think does it come from the media? Are we trained like this from when we're small? And I, I don't know if you're familiar. There was a um, an HBO series a while ago called Silicon Valley um, on venture capitalists. And I remember when I first saw that show, I was just so upset because it was at all men characters. All the startups were men and there was hardly a woman on the show. So, I mean, do you think do you think it's coming from some of the messages we're still fed from outside or where do you think it's coming from? I'm, I'm curious. I absolutely do think it's coming from the messages from outside. Um, yeah. One of the things that I've been trying to do more of that I really believe in is when when children, when, when friends of mine or their children are having babies, if they're having a girl, if they give birth to a girl, I'm buying something that's blue and I'm buying an erector set. And if they're yeah. having if they're having a boy, I'm buying them something that's pink and I'm buying them some kind of a female, to- you know, um, or, or what would be considered a female toy, right? So so I think it starts at birth. It starts mm-hmm. from day one. It starts from how we treat, how we teach our daughters to think about money. It's, mm-hmm. ha- it's, it's getting, you know, if we're gonna be controlling two thirds of the world's worth, of the world's wealth, we have got to become comfortable with saying, it's okay. I want to be financially secure. I want to be wealthy. And I'm going to use my money and my power and my voice to impact the things that are important to me. And I think all of that starts at a very, very young age. Let's let's talk about the media for a minute. How many commercials do we see with women washing floors? And mm. you know, um, you know, the royal wedding this past, past weekend. I love I love Meghan Markle. I never yeah, knew who yeah. this young woman was, but yep. love her because watching her this in this little video from when she was ten years old, talking about writing to Procter and Gamble about the dish soap. I mean, I loved that. I loved that. And 
And those are the type of micro steps that have to be taken that we have to recognize are so important to push this movement forward. But really, it involves how we treat children and and the pressure that we have put on young boys and men when we are truly, truly equal in so many ways in, in that are, you know, indescribable. We are just equal, but society keeps pushing this down our throat. Um, and we just have to stand up and use our voices and use our wealth to advocate for the change that we want to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Yeah, and and I agree with you 100%. I have two nieces, um, six and three now, and I have not. Um, the favorite gift I like is the Goldilocks, the mm. one, um, the the uh, engineering uh, toys for children was actually founded by a woman from Rhode Island, right next door oh, to you. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yes, yes. She went to Stanford, and she was very upset about. Um, apologize, I can't remember her name. Uh, um, apolog- she was upset about being one of the only engineering females in her class and she started and she made these Goldilocks toys for engineering toys for uh girls under 12 they're oh, fantastic yeah yeah, yeah yeah so but um no i agree i mean nothing makes me more crazy than the the pink aisle at walmart okay oh. and um so i you know i think that's a great message we have to start and if we start young then we can help our our daughters our granddaughters our nieces um try to you know develop more confidence as it as they grow up and Fran, we're going to, um, I want to take a break now because when I come back, I want to talk a little bit about this. You talked about, you talked about how we can help other women on, and, um, but through mentoring, sponsoring and being advocates, um, for them. And I really want to talk a little bit about what you do, um, mm-hmm. in your, in, in your council and also a little bit more about, you know, what I'm seeing worldwide trends and what maybe companies can do to promote leadership or governments can do. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have, uh, Europe, uh, 2020 here in Europe, which is 20% gender equality on boards by the year 2020. And um, I think it's a great move. I'd like to talk to you about what you think about quotas and how can we push that envelope a little bit further. Okay. Fantastic. Yes. Okay. And with that, we're going to take a uh, we're going to take a break for our listeners. We're speaking with Fran Pastore, a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity, and the founder and the CEO of the Women's Business Development Council, a leading organization for championing female entrepreneurship and women's economic equity. Ms. Pastore served as an appointed member to the President's National Women's Business Council, an independent source of advice, and counsel to the President, Congress, and the U.S. Small Business Association. You can reach out to her on Twitter on at Francine, and that's Francine with F-R-A-N-C-I-N-E, Pastore. Um, you can also go to her on LinkedIn, and you can also go to the website of ctwbdc.org for more information on her and her organization. And I'm Kimberly Lewis. Uh, you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders, and I'm your host. You can reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we'll be right back.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America's Business Channel, one of the best series for learning about global leadership and business issues. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today we've been speaking with Fran Pastore, a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity and the founder and CEO of the Women's Business Development Council, a leading organization for championing women entrepreneurship and women's economic equity. Now, in the first segment, Fran, we, we kind of got a little bit of a history. Mm-hmm. And then um, we just we just talked um, we, a little bit about what we can do to gain confidence, because one of the issues is is women are not always as confident when asking for money or applying for jobs. And we talked a little about, you know, starting when we're young, okay? Um, get rid of the pink aisle, okay? And, um, and get, get, get us a little confidence. And in a little bit earlier, you had talked about some of the things that that you um, see women doing or should help, like mentoring, sponsoring, advocate. Um, what, what else is out there from, from an organizational or a governmental point of view? What can we do to move this envelope a little bit faster? So I think that there's a lot going on in a lot of different sectors. Let me, let me if I may, just talk a little bit um, about the confidence issue and then what I see happening, you know, in 
in the government segment sector and in the corporate sector and then the work that we do at WBDC, for example. And okay. that's being done for women around the country with organizations like WBDC. Mm-hmm. So I think first and foremost, one of the one of the ways to eradicate or reduce feelings of self-confidence is to become an expert in a particular subject matter, right? Mm-hmm. And and so with WBDC and my colleagues around the country and around the globe who do the work we do, I think sometimes what happens with women is that we are in a big rush to get something done and jump in with both feet without taking the time to seek out the resources and the experts who can truly help us mitigate the risks. And that's essentially what organizations like the Women's Business Development Council does, right? So educating yourself around that one thing that it is that you want to do and becoming that expert. And then my personal mantra is to surround myself with people who know more than I do about things that I don't know very much about and kind of owning up to that and saying, you know what, I'm really not good with money. I am not good with balancing my checkbook. I'm making all this up. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not great at marketing, you know, but who are those experts out there and where could I find them? This is, of course, if I'm an entrepreneur or I'm thinking about being an entrepreneur, where do I go? Where do I find them? And what's so interesting to me is that I find that women are more apt to get their hair cut, dyed, and get a manicure than they are to pay for services to invest in themselves. So Mm -hmm. my my message there really is about investing in yourself, investing your money and investing your time. And so if you're thinking about launching a business, there are hundreds of organizations throughout the United States and and also around the globe. We're seeing more and more of this happening, right? As I explained with the the Gen Global Conference in, in Istanbul, huge resources around the globe. In the United States, there are over 100 organizations like the Women's Business Development Council that will train, counsel, and educate you around business development to help you mitigate the risks. So Mm -hmm. that's what I see as one of the ways that we can develop confidence around those business topics that we are not comfortable with. And can I just add a comment there? Because I think this is important. Um, you know, I was a CEO for 22 years on on rather rather large companies, and I think my message when I'm talking to women, also, friend, is not everybody's good at everything. Okay, and 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 you know, when you're when you're an entrepreneur, you have to do everything because I mean, you have you have the finances, you have the marketing, you have the sales, you know, you have the product development, your next idea. But that doesn't mean you're going to be 100% good at everything. So it is really quite okay to reach out and get help. Oh, and that's absolutely where, yeah, yeah. And that would be that would be what my message, um, you know, to women listening. And and that's where they can reach out to to places like you. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. And I think you know, for me personally, when I was starting the Women's Business Development Council. I knew nothing about accessing federal fundings. I knew nothing about civics. I knew nothing about public policy. I could not, for the life of me, understand why Connecticut was the only state in the country that didn't have a resource for women entrepreneurs. I had to find the people that could help me figure out how to navigate all of that. And people, especially women, um, but I had a, and I had a lot of men helping me at the time as well. Mm-hmm. People, people love sharing their expertise. They, if they're, if you are someone that they that 
if I believe in someone and I think they have the capacity, I want to help them. You know, you want to spend your time. You want to invest your time because it feels good to help mm-hmm. someone navigate that and teach them something or help them learn something that they may otherwise, that, that they don't know about. So I agree mm-hmm. with you a hundred percent. You don't, not everyone is expected to know everything. We all can't be good at everything. No. Um, so, so talking about this in the space of um, the corporate world, um, what I'm seeing a lot more happening is, of is inclusion initiatives, right? So diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion initiatives for a long, long time have been box checking yes. uh, standard operating procedures, right? If you were mm-hmm. CEO years ago, I'm sure you, I'm sure you saw yeah. that as well. I see that changing right now. Um, I, in the work that I do, the majority of the people that I interact with in the corporations that support our work, because we're a nonprofit, um, the majority of the people that I'm that I talk to on a regular basis are the DNI people, and what I'm seeing more and more of are women's inclusion groups starting up. So mm-hmm. a lot of affinity groups around mentoring young women, a lot of affinity groups on young women of color, on Latina women, because like it or not, there are different challenges that those ethnic groups experience. My experience as a white woman is very, very different from my colleagues' experience as an African-American woman. We may have the same, um, uh, I would, let me say, economic background in terms of maybe how we were brought up. We may be both middle-class women, but what she experiences as a black woman is nothing that I experience as a white woman. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot more targeted leadership groups, affinity groups, I see a lot more interest in spending money to bring in experts uh, to help those young women and women of all ages get the uh, leadership exposure that they need. And I think that the majority of people that I'm seeing that are in those roles in corporations are, in fact, women. Mm -hmm. And so I do see a lot more investment there. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me ask you this, because I think you're familiar and for our listeners that um, in the corporate world, and that's really where my focus is most of the time, mm-hmm. um, not the entrepreneurial world. But in the corporate world, um, it's still it's still quite difficult. You said we we talked about the numbers to try to climb the ladder. And one of the things I see you know, happening, and we know Europe is doing that, is is actually gender quotas, okay? The legislation in Europe for the 40% gender um, equality on boards by 2020 is 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 a quota, okay? Um, do you think in the corporate world, or even in, in the world, it's a little bit more difficult in the VC world, but do you do think quotas are helping us push the envelope. Um, you know, there's a lot of controversy over if they're good or bad. Uh, do you have any opinion on that? I, I do. I think that in order to push the envelope and get to where we want to be and where we need to be, to level the playing fields, to equalize the scales, to whatever we want to call it, I think it's a multi-pronged approach. And I, mm-hmm. think, that, I think that quotas are an important part of that approach because there's not just one way to do it. 
you know, yes, we have to help ourselves. Yes, we have to use our voice. Yes, we have to lean in. But in the words of my friend Carla Harris, who is the vice chairman, uh, a vice chairman at Morgan Stanley and speaks all the time on women's issues and gender equality issues. She said recently in some uh, to an audience that she spoke to, I've been leaning in, standing up, pushing back, <laughs> moving forward. You know, how many which ways do you want me to do it? It mm-hmm. takes it takes a lot of momentum and it takes a lot of different strategies. And I do believe that quotas are an unfortunate reality mm-hmm. to that, to, to that, because quotas do have a lot of negative perceptions. Um, we, we all know what they are, of course, sir. but, but, but it, but it has to be, it's one of the strategies to move the needle and I'm all about getting that needle moved. And so whatever it's going to take to get there, we've got to try it. And it's really interesting because here in Europe, I would say it's it's a very debated subject. I'm very much for it also because it needs something has to move. And we've seen when we didn't do it, nothing moved. Okay, Um, but it's also up to companies and up to ourselves as women to make sure when it moves, that it's a success. Okay, and um, do you think do you think anything could happen like this in, you know, um, private equity. I mean, private equity is private equity. Venture capital is venture capital. So it's all in private hands. Um, do you see any kind of push or are there any governmental push that says, you know, 2.2% of the VC capital going to, to women started companies is not a lot. Okay. Um, do you think there's any way to get that increased? Well, you know, I have a lot of colleagues that are starting um, private equity funds that are dedicated exclusively to women. But I oh, will tell good. you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and we're seeing yeah. more and more of that around yeah. around yeah. the country and around the globe. That said, I have one colleague who's especially close to me who I actually just got together with for coffee yesterday who has been trying to raise $25 million for the last 18 months. This is a woman who um, has a background in private equity. She was the first w- woman in one of the first private equity f- funds in the country 25 years ago. She is still not, she's not even a third of the way where she wants to be. Every time she hits a new benchmark, she's being told, well, but you told me when I hit 3 million, you would invest X. Well, yeah, but you know what? You need to hit 5 million. Okay, so I hit 5 million. Now you're telling me I need to hit 7 million. When is it enough? Mm-hmm. When is mm-hmm. it enough? And so I think what's happening is because women control so much of the world's wealth, what I said earlier about women becoming more comfortable with wealth and women becoming more comfortable with making investments, we, you know, charity begins at home. And if we truly care about our sisters, we are going to use that wealth to affect the change, right? I said earlier, um, time, talent, and treasure. If you have the treasure and you want to invest, start investing in companies, in venture-backed companies that are owned and operated by women, that have a, a majority number of seats on the board that are women, mm-hmm. that are investing in companies that have a majority of seats that are women, and that is how we can really affect change. Mm-hmm. And I have to, I have to laugh. Her comment on lean in, dive in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think we've all been there. Exactly. I, 
Uh, yes, um, we're getting towards the end of our show, Fran. I think you and I could chat about this um, for a long time, but just one question and then some tips for our audience. Um, you know, this this is a lot of stuff, and and we're pretty resilient, okay? But um, the, how do you do? You have any tips for our listeners on how do you keep a positive attitude? Because you're a very positive person, I can hear it in your voice. I'm a very positive person. How, how do you keep a positive attitude? In all this fight? Well, it's it's not easy. And I try to look for the silver lining. I try to look for the silver lining every single day. And what makes me get up in the morning is that I have a very passionate staff, team of folks around me that are passionate about the work they do and passionate about helping women entrepreneurs keep moving forward and, and uh, striving for successful and sustainable businesses. Mm-hmm. That said, it is not easy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And there's so much negativity in the world. There's so much negativity in politics. And what I try to focus on is the opportunity that we have been handed on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. And what I started our, I think earlier in our conversation, I talked to you about the number of calls I get and requests I get um, through LinkedIn and through social media um, to from from women around the world who were saying, you know, how can I start something like this in my country, in my city, one, right? And then two is how can I get involved? What can mm-hmm. I do um, to get involved and engaged? And I spend a lot of my time, Kimberly, meeting with women who may or may not have any interest in starting a business or may or may not have any interest in the work that WBDC does. They are trying to figure out where they should go to have impact, to create change. And so a mentoring and, and um, counseling is a very big part of my role. I feel like it's part of why I was put on this earth. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I spend a good part of my week doing things that I probably shouldn't be doing because it's taking away from my day job. But I'm so passionate about helping other women figure out how to make impact. And so if I can leave, you know, the listeners with the, just a few tips and I'm, re- you know, at the risk of repeating myself, mentoring. Find if you really want to give back and you have limited time, become a mentor. You don't doesn't have to be a young woman that you're mentoring. It's oh, my favorite. I love mentoring young college women. Um, but you could mentor a woman who's approaching her second act career. You can mentor a woman who is, you know, going from high school to college. You could mentor a woman who's in the corporate sector. Use your expertise and your time to affect change. And if you're looking for, to make have a success. Find a mentor for yourself. Mm-hmm. People always and want I, to give back. And I, I think that's the great tip. And also stay positive, I think, is a great tip. Mm-hmm. So it's been a great show. I'd love to continue for another hour. <laughs> so maybe we'll love to have you back, Fran. Thank so you, Kimberly. We've been talking to Fran Pastore, a devoted catalyst of women's economic equity and the founder and CEO of the Women's Business Development Council, a leading organization for championing female entrepreneurship and women's economic equity. You can reach her on Twitter at, at Francine Pastore. You can also go to her website, ctwbdc.org, which is also on Facebook. And you can reach out to her on LinkedIn at Francine Pastore. And that is spelled F R A N 
C-I-N-E Pastore. So this has been a really a great show, and I love these leadership shows because it really lies on my heart, and there's a lot of great movements going on for women. Initiatives like the Women's Business Development Council, which FRAM runs, and EU's movements such as 2020, Seeking Gender Balance on All Publicly Held Companies in Europe by 2020, are great initiatives and support change and initiate economic equity, but they are only the beginning. We also need to learn to grasp the opportunities and be brave, get confidences. That's what Fran and I talked about today. Be confident. Okay. The Women's Business Development Council in Connecticut helps women learn how to do this. And our courses here at Women's Leadership Academy 2020 in Europe also operate, and we also operate worldwide uh, with both in-house and out-house open classes. We both do this. So seek out organizations such as ours to help you gain the skills that you may feel you're lacking or some help find a mentor or just have somebody to talk to. So once again, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and Women's Leadership Academy 2020. Please get in touch with me for leadership training, systemic team coaching, speaking and executive coaching. Reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And until next week, my leadership tip for the day is be confident. Go out there and get it because as we said, we're 50% of the workforce, and so we deserve our piece of the pie. You've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel with Kimberly Lewis. Tune in to us each week, 3 p.m. SIP time. Download us on iTunes and Google Play. And until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.